Today on the show, singer-songwriter Jeremy Casella and I talk breaking creative comfort zones, figuring out how to play your own songs on acoustic, and much more on episode 60 of Who Writes This Stuff? Hello and welcome to Who Writes This Stuff? My name is Nick Flora. Uh, I'm coming to you from my house in Nashville, Tennessee. Thank you for listening. Uh, it's been a crazy month for me, you guys, and um, I know I say that a lot whenever I have a sort of lapse between episodes, but I'm going to try to be better. I am actually home for a little while, so maybe we can just crank these out. Um, so thank you for everybody who who's tweeted at me and, and told me in person at, at some shows uh, how much you enjoy the podcast and uh, how you wish uh, there would be more of them. So, uh, no, but seriously, October has sent me to Chicago for shows, Arizona, L.A., Atlanta, uh, all over the place. So many different time zones, at least three. Um, and I'm wiped. I wiped out. But it's a good it's a good exhaustion, you know? There's some cool things in the works. Uh, uh, this has been a really good month for me as a professional artistic person uh, and for the podcast. And I'll talk more about that in future episodes for sure. Um, today's episode is my good pal Jeremy Casella, uh, whose album Death in Reverse is his first in a while and uh, a lot of you guys already are aware of him through his work with uh, the Rabbit Room, and a lot of uh, he's been on tour with a bunch of great artists, and he's in uh, this community of artists here in Nashville that are that are uh, really great and inspiring uh, to me, and I know a lot of you guys too. Um, and yeah, this is his first album in a while, but man, it's worth the wait. It's really great if you haven't heard Death in Reverse. Um, go get it now and listen to it. Uh, and then listen to the podcast, or you can listen to the podcast and then listen to it afterwards. You know what? It's your life. You do whatever you want in whatever order you want to do it in. Uh, before we start the show, let me share with you what I learned this week. What I learned this week. What you learned? This week I learned that I, Nick Flora, am out of shape. <laughs> and I know this is such a uh, cliche thing for a man of my age to com- complain about, but I do what I can. To keep in shape, uh, you know, f- when I can. It's really hard because food. And uh, after taking a month or so off from consistent, you know, like workouts, going on jogs, whatever it is you have to do to sort of keep busy, keep active, um, I got a bike. Because I was like, you know what? I love riding a bike as a kid. I need to get a bike. And I'm going to ride that bike around the neighborhood. I'm going to ride it. I'm going to run errands on that bike. The, me and the, the bike is going to be, uh, we're going to be good friends, you know? And uh, here's the thing, uh, riding a bike may be the metaphor that is people use, uh, you know, oh, it's just like riding a bike. Well, guess what? I'm really good at riding a bike. I haven't ridden in a while. I got on it. I knew how to, I didn't fall off. I knew what I was doing when riding the bike. But uh, something I realized maybe a minute and a half in is uh, riding a bike is is, uh, is an actual workout. <laughs> it's really hard. And um, my legs right now are like spaghetti noodles. Um, they're not actual spaghetti noodles, but they feel like them. And, uh, my goodness, I am, I'm in some pain, but it's okay because I'm going to push through and instead of calling it quits just because it was painful, which let's be honest, sounds way better than actually pushing myself to get better at a thing. Um, I need to get into shape, uh, and this bike is going to help me do it. So the bike and I are going to be friends, you guys, and I'll keep you updated, except, you know, unless you don't want to, then I'll, then I'll just think about the things. And not actually share them, which is hard. It's hard these days because we have at our fingertips something that we can share every single little uh, ridiculous thing that we're doing. But anyway, that's what I learned this week. 
I need to get into shape. What I learned this week. What you learned. So each week I ask you guys to submit something that you've learned this week. And I don't really get any responses, which is fine. Uh, you know, you guys have a lot going on as well. Uh, but this week, listener Daniel Johnson had an audio submission that is pretty great. And uh, it made me happy. So take a listen. Hey, Nick. So uh, this week I learned uh, that as people, we all have a responsibility and a moral obligation to be nice to everybody that we meet. Whether that's somebody we pass in the grocery store or like our, our waiter at the restaurant, we all have a responsibility to give them the emotional engagement. <laughs> okay, not like a wedding engagement, but the emotional um, attention, like making eye contact and smiling and just acknowledging that they're a person too. Because in the end, we're all just ants on a rock that's hurtling through space. And nobody really knows what's going on. We're all fighting with depression and just negativity, wherever that uh, may be coming from. And we all have a responsibility as fellow humans to uh, just acknowledge that other people are here and dealing with their own problems. What I this week. Thank you, Daniel, for that. So fun to uh, to get that response. And, uh, and a great cover of the theme song, I, if I say so myself. Uh, everyone go follow at Daniel underscore E. Johnson on Twitter and tell him uh, what you thought of his submission. Super, super fun. Uh, and if you want to share with me and the listeners what you learned this week, be it short, silly, or serious, you can email at, or you can email whowritesthisstuffpodcast at gmail.com. Or if that's way too many characters, you can just tweet at who writes pod and let me know, uh, you know, you, you submit audio video. You can just write it out like a normal person. You can write it on a pad and take a picture of it and send that. I don't know. Um, it's just fun. It's, it, it's one of these things I, you know, I started sharing what I learned every week because, uh, I think we sort of are hard on ourselves that we don't really, you know, we're not really learning much. And Jeremy and I actually talk a, a little bit at the top of the show about this, but, uh, we actually do. We're constantly taking in information, and I, I find it fascinating the things that we learn at different points in our life or the things that we're just, we're just reminded of. So if you have something you want to share, uh, I would urge you to do so. Um, this has been a great little community through the podcast, and, um, you know, so uh, this is a great place to do it, I think. So, okay, well, here we go. Let's just start the show. That all rhymed. Did not mean it to, but once again, I'm an artist. What are you going to do? Uh, here's episode 60 with my friend Jeremy Casella. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm not a gear guy and I'm not a guitar guy. Right. Like I know how to play guitar. I sort of hit this point. I don't know if you're this way where like for my instrument wise, like guitar wise, I sort of hit like everything that I'm going to learn for the most part. And then I'm, I'm just taking different as far as my, my actual playing <laughs> and I'm just taking different parts of that and it's growing, you know, but the exponential growth happened, you know, between the ages like 15 and like, I'd say 22 then basically everything I do on the guitar I learned early on, and then but now like maybe I need to start like taking like guitar lessons again and actually learning some other things, hmm. just because you write so many songs and, and especially if you write on guitar, right? Um, which I write a little bit on piano but not enough to call myself a player. But like I I write enough on guitar where I sort of um, I'm like it, I'm finding that my writing is constrained to whatever i can do on the guitar oh sure Does like the sense? instrument yeah. yeah yeah it's like in the voicings and all that stuff and i was like maybe i should open up my palette 10 years after i stopped getting yeah. better at it you know what um i get that and you know what i did um 
and I try to do, I try to revisit is I have this Beatles songbook that I got when I was in high school. Mm -hmm. It's called the Beatles fake book. And it's yeah. every Beatles song in a binder notebook uh, with all the lyrics and the chords. And um, I would teach myself Beatles songs that were different styles uh, musically that would force me to play not only like in a different guitar style but also like use chords i would never use oh absolutely and the chord progressions get, of those songs alone oh yeah like are like i never would have thought to go yeah there. like um martha my dear mm -hmm. white, white album or a lot of them are mccartney songs because he's so he's so wild musically oh, so quirky one? yeah um honey pie that mm -hmm. song like the the chords that song just the, the chord formations are so like the, the musical shape is just so interesting and forces you out of th certain things. And then like that song, Blackbirds, a finger style thing, which is really sort of a classical approach to finger style guitar. Yeah. It's really, but yeah. And I used to like, I used to write mostly on acoustic guitar, but now um, I, I'm, I'm, I usually start on piano and I'm not really a piano player. Like, um, you know, I can play songwriter piano. Right. You know yeah, I mean? exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but, and that's what I, I can play my songs. Right. Mm -hmm. So like mm -hmm. I figure out what that is on the piano and I think like it takes my ear different places than a guitar would because the way piano is laid out from left to right, you know, lower to higher and you can find notes and make shapes like chords in your head a little easier for me on the piano than you can on a guitar because guitars laid out in a different kind of way. Right. But yeah, I mean, the instruments are, I think that for me, that I, I feel the same way, like you, you're you informed by your abilities and yeah, it's also I, kind of a good thing, you know, as long as you're trying to stay uh, engaged and not resting on knowledge you have or whatever. Yeah. You know? I mean, I see, and whenever I see somebody like get on stage and they have multiple instruments and they're really the only pe people in the band or like, you know, a guy gets up there and there's a even just like a ukulele or something I'm like oh well that guy's pushing himself to sure because i even just noodling around like something like a uke like Those you sort of cool. you ukulele. figure out really quick oh, sort yeah. of like oh like like anytime i grab a new instrument and i sort of noodle with it long enough even if it's 10 minutes i start writing on it mm -hmm. i just immediately like and, and it's something that i never would have thought of just because yeah. sonically it's not the same old thing that you're used to mm -hmm. yeah ukulele has there's like baritone soprano alto ukuleles Really? Oh yeah, and um, I think the the one you see all the time is the alto uke, or maybe the maybe the soprano, but probably mm -hmm. the, the alto uke, and um or alto uke, and uh, th it's incredible. Do you know? Do you like that band, The Replacements? Uh, I'm not have a fan, but I'm familiar. Dude, I am familiar. So good. There's this record called "Please to Meet Me." You have to. Mm -hmm. But anyway. There's, there are these guys, they live here in Nashville. Really? They have a ukulele band, and they did a ukulele <laughs> record of cover songs of The Replacements. I'll send it to you. It's amazing. That's amazing. Yeah. There's I have no a song idea. called Skyway. And it, all it, the whole recording is them singing in, in the various ukuleles that you can use. <laughs> even the percussion is them beating on ukuleles. It's, I mean, it's really even cool. Eddie Vedder put out a ukulele record, yeah. so... I mean, like the banjo thing and the and the ukulele thing. I think hipsters have kind of like, uh, you know, dominated. That, Absolutely, you yeah. know. Mm -hmm. But like ukuleles are so great, and some banjos too. But uh, it's true. Anyway, I mean, there's nothing cuter than a girl on stage playing a ukulele, like, and they know it. Sure, sure. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I guess it's right. sort of taken over. <laughs> Thanks, Zoe Deschanel. But uh, <laughs> it's just in the in the back of my mind, like, oh, I'm gonna grab a. 
if I have some free time today, I'm going to go to this music store and look for, but I never have free time. Like right. I'm constantly, I can always come up with something else that I need to, need to do because I am my own every manager, booking agent. Every, right. It just gets so. Oh, there's so many responsibilities and so many there's things. There's always something about. in the back of my head that's like, you're not doing enough. Right. And I don't know where that comes from. Maybe it's my own self-inflicted. Oh, buddy. I think that's the, the way of self-employment, period. And mm-hmm. you can never shut that off, you know. How do you shut that off? How do I shut? Yeah, how do you do? Do you just unplug at some point and be like, "I'm not gonna, I don't get on the computer, I don't check, like I, it's just all gone." Uh, I mean, you know, I mean, I know having kids sort of forces you out of it. Having kids is a great reality check, uh, humbling, right? You know, <laughs> if you um, want to feel or remember that you are maybe not the most important person on the planet. Oh yeah, hang out with your kids. Oh totally, yeah. <laughs> um. I try to watch how much I'm on my computer or my phone. I mean, I don't know. I'm not, I have no, I don't have that worked out. I don't, yeah, I don't either. I'm constantly distracted and, um, and feeling like I can do certain things really well and, and other things not so well and convicted by that, trying to figure out how to make things better. And, um, you're talking to the wrong guy. You know. I'm just, I always ask people that cause I, I'm trying to figure that out on my own, like how to, just time management, but mostly how to just get out of my head. Cause I'll basically, yeah. I saw somebody either tweet or something the other day where they're, they're talking about being an independent artist and they're, they don't have a nine to five. They have a, and when my brain wakes up or, you know, yeah. and when I go to sleep, like, yeah. and that's, I, I'm more, I, I talk, I've talked about this on the podcast before. I'm wondering, cause I do that. And I've done that for years where I'm mm-hmm. just like, even if I'm, you know, not seemingly working, my brain is working something out or I'm thinking about something, you know, like, you know, it's always going. And so either it's going to like, it's like a bodybuilder working out and they're just going to, my brain is bulking up right. or it's going to be like a, a MacBook fan that just like has been on for a long time. And then eventually your hard drive just yeah. crashes. And I don't know well, which one I it's going to be. I see your Austin Cleon books there. Oh yeah, um, absolutely. Man, I really agree with him. Like there's a four hour in the war of art. There's like this four hour sort of era or sorry, window of productivity. Absolutely. I definitely feel that way. Um, and and that's okay. And then that's once that's once that is over, I think we do ourselves a great service by saying, "Hey, I've done this for the day, and I'm mm-hmm. going to shut this off for now." But it's hard to shut off. Uh, yeah, I mean, I don't know anyone for whatever it's worth. Uh, I know I have friends, and we both do, you know. And you're one of them for me that I admire, you know, uh, their work ethic and their hustle. And um, but I think there's even wisdom, and you got to rest and turn things off, whoever you are. Period. And yeah. so. That's a definite discipline, I think, for, for anybody. I don't know anyone who, who's perfect in that regard, you know, which yeah. is kind of oddly comforting. And, and It is. You know. I, I actually love, one of the reasons I started this podcast is because I wanted to talk to people to find out how much, like, my quote-unquote shortcomings that I feel about myself, uh, others sh- share. Because <laughs> I was like, yeah. oh, wait, it, that's been the greatest takeaway from doing this is, like, you know, I mean, I'm inspired by other people's stories, but also just, like, you saying, like, I don't figure it out. Because... If, when I see you post things or I see you play and stuff like that, I, you know, we just have this thing that goes off in our head. It's just like, it's the grass is greener. Like, oh man, that guy, sure. if I could just be more like Jeremy, I feel like I could be, like, look, he clearly hasn't figured it out. But <laughs> well, man, I, yeah, that's funny, just life. What's funny to you is, well, sorry, that's really kind of you to say. And, and, and then what's funny to me is I've spent the last several years going, get your act together, get another album out. What's your problem? You know, blah, blah, blah. So you have this inner dialogue that's that's not... Mm-hmm. connected to necessarily reality but we're all like that isn't it, isn't it amazing yeah <laughs> and yeah it's so true yeah and every time i meet with a friend 
I just met with Osanga the other day and, and I was sort of voicing a few frustrations and he was just like, yeah, that's, that's it. Like <laughs> you're not, yeah. you're not going through, you're not in like a valley. Like this, right. everybody's so, just, this yeah. is just the grind. Yeah. And I was like, and it's I a also, good reminder. Yeah. And I also think too, whether you're making a record, writing songs or booking shows or, um, trying to uh, decide that the next kind of path you need to go to creatively, if it's not hard, it's probably, there's probably something wrong. Mm-hmm. And I don't mean to be a glutton for pain. That's not what I'm saying. I just think that, that this is very, this is really hard work and that's all right. That's a good thing. And, yeah. And I think like it has its own kind of way of weeding out. Um, you know, time is a, is a, <laughs> It's a funny thing, and I think uh, the more time that goes by with what what we do as artists, um, the more we we're, we're kind of eschewing the unnecessary things and holding on to the core things. And so, mm-hmm. you know, I'm 38 and I've done this for 14 years as a, for a living, and um, I, I'm I feel like if I'm doing it right over time, I'm going to be, be becoming piece by piece, and not always on my timetable or a record coming out's timetable or a promotional timetable, but piece by piece, steadily over time, uh, becoming who I really am and, and, and letting go of those insecurities and, and really having a, a piece about what I do and why I do what I do and where that comes from and, and really resting in that. I wish I could find a way back to where it all began for the future point of view through the telescope And there is, I mean, I, I don't know whether this is the right way to look at it, but I, I think of like this sort of, especially in the creative world, there is um, a survival of the fittest sort of, like look, like a lot of the people that I started out with, even through different waves and doing this, I guess, since high school, which was 15 years ago, like I feel a lot of people sort of fell away and I'm still doing it. But And you can look at that in the positive way, like, well, maybe like, people still care. My audience is growing, you know, um, I'm getting better. Like I'm feeling more fulfilled creatively than ever. Like all these things are positive, but I, so often I will look at it the other way and be like, maybe I didn't get the memo that everybody else got that. Like, maybe it's time to sure to pack it in and try something else. Maybe go back, go to night school, figure out, some, take some computer yeah. classes. Oh, sure. Those are always, <laughs> that's always in the back of your head, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, and I feel some of the same things, and I think that's only human. Yeah. You know? Um, yeah, I think it's only human. And then you take all this, what we're talking about, and then the flip side of it is that the, the folks that I know who are super successful as independent artists, the way that I would, however you want to define that, the way that right. I would define that, yeah. they, they, they have struggles too, and difficulties having a life, you know? <laughs> and so it's like 
man, it, it, it feels like to me there's this uh, challenge of just finding a balance of between your your ambitions and then um, a healthy life, you know? Yeah. Um, and I don't know uh, that anyone necessarily has that figured out, and that's and I think that's okay. It's just a matter of, I think, pursuing uh, your work in an honest way and knowing at the end of the day there's always going to be conflict uh, within yourself, but also you can take some some solace in knowing that you you've made something true you know what i mean like, yeah that's how i feel about my record is like um it may have taken me a, a, a million years to get it out of myself but i got it out and, mm -hmm. um, and that's worth something to me it really is and i need to sell it and i want to promote it and i and i am and i will and i i know all that that's all true whatever it is that you make in life yeah but, but it's just but but i did it and it, yeah it's done and and i love it and um, How has the response been? Great. Really? Yeah, the response been really good. Um, the Kickstarter thing was an amazing experience for me. Mm -hmm. it's such a is that your first time doing something yeah. like that? Oh, yeah. yeah. This is a little bit nerve-wracking, but also sort of like exciting. <laughs> it's exciting. I've never refreshed something so many times in my oh, life. Oh, I know, right? And <laughs> like, I, yeah. get there? Right. And it's, you wonder how this is all going to go. And it was a great experience um, for me because... Uh, you know, it, it kind of silences some of those voices that, that speak to you negatively. But but at the same time, yeah, really scary. And, and that's all right. That's a good thing. Yeah. Because um, you put yourself out there. But yeah, the, the response has been cool. And, and people seem to really love the record, the ones that, that kickstarted it. And I've been sharing the songs with people and starting to tour it a little bit. And um, I'm, I'm really happy with it. So. When you sort of started writing for this album, uh, Death in Reverse, like, is there... Cause I, I wonder, I wonder about this by myself. Like I can't even, it's been, it's such a fully formed, my last album is such a fully formed thing came out a year ago. Now I'm so comfortable with it. Yeah. I know it inside and out. Do you, your sort of expectation of what you thought it was going to be in your head when you first started writing these songs. And then now on the other side of it, like how is that different or better or totally? Work? Yeah. Well, I, I set out to write a record that sounded like joy. Oh, Okay. That sounded like, and this is going to sound so, uh, <laughs> you know, uh, but it sounded like resurrection. I wanted the music to hit you in such a way, not the words necessarily, but the music hit you in such a way or, or move me or hit me in such a way that it kind of took me off guard. And I'd yeah. say, there's this, this sound of it. And I think I got there on some of the songs. And uh, a lot of that's Kaysen's doing, mm -hmm. uh, Kaysen Cooley. But um, what ended up happening was uh, I found out that when you want to, when you want joy in your music, when you want to have uh, tap into that stream, um, you get that by a lot of sorrow and a lot of pain. And so, on the surface, the motivator for joy would be, you know, this. I think I thought it was just sort of powerful happiness, not a a BS kind of happiness, but but just a positiveness, right? And it is, but it's tempered by a lot of pain. And so the deeper I went into that mm -hmm. stream, uh, the more uh, the more I realized that. And so joy coexists um, uh, inseparably from with sorrow. And so this record's infused with with that and that was a very surprising thing for me mm -hmm. um, 
And what's crazy is, and I was talking to um, Kaysen about this, and also I think Andy Osinga, uh, we, he played on the record. Mm-hmm. I love what he did on the record. I only worked with him for a, two days or a day or two, whatever it was. We did a whole day, a couple days at um, Sound Emporium. Yeah. And he was there. and But we were talking about, I've talked about this with other friends too, about, um, you know, uh, what was I going to say? You're going to have to edit this because I can't remember. <laughs> well, I think that the songs, oh, oh, the, well, the song, the songs know what's going on with you before you do. And I've wow. written, I can't yeah. tell you how many songs I've, I've been a part of writing, you know, for my records that, um, that it's like this process for me of self-discovery which is so funny. But, you know, I mean, I, I've read about Flannery O'Connor is one of my favorite writers, and she says all the time that she she was writing to find out what she thought about things. And um, Oh, I love that. Yeah, yeah oh, yeah. That's exactly it's what it is. It's so yeah. true. And for me, it is. And so I'm not necessarily like the kind of songwriter who's looking to write a song that's like this really, you know, um, process of like you listen and by the fourth verse you realize the guy's been dead the whole time or something like right that's great <laughs> some him not Shyamalan twist at that's the not me right yeah. <laughs> and and I don't know half the time uh when I'm writing I might have a title or, or usually it's the music and the music informs a lyric and right or there's an image in the lyric that that drives me that I don't know what it means but I know that it's that it's right and it informs the rest of the song lyrically in a way that's you know and and so um I feel like I'm, I'm the kind of the last one to know what the songs are, are really about, or which sounds such like a crazy thing to confess, especially in a town like Nashville where everything is so like, craft oriented, and, and I love that. Mm-hmm. But I've never been a, the kind of writer that, that necessarily knows what he's getting himself into when he starts, you know. And and I think that's fine. And maybe that's how everybody is. And my I'm absolutely that way. You know? yeah. There's so many times where I'll get halfway through. And I've written lyrics or I've written like a whole thing and it doesn't really, it's taking shape, but it doesn't really have like a voice yet. Mm -hmm. And then once I sort of hit a specific lyric or something in the chorus, I'll go retroactively, I'll I'll go back like, oh, that's what it is. And then you go back and tweak every little thing that needs to, it's almost like going back to leave the breadcrumbs to lead to the, you know, Right. and that happens all the time. Yeah. And I remember what I was going to say a minute ago. Yeah. Um, so you can like paste this back. <laughs> no, I love it. It's no, right? organic. Let's do exactly. it. Exactly. <laughs> but uh, I remember um, it's the idea that, um, you know, once you start down a road, like I was saying, I was interested in, in unpacking this this idea or theme of joy and wanted to infuse that into my music and have that mm-hmm. sound uh, in my music in order to evoke that. Um, once you start down that road, you, you, you um, and you know it's right, you, you have to keep going. And so it was hard. There's a lot of, because you're facing yourself ultimately. But the problem with taste, if you have taste, you know when it sucks and you mm-hmm. know when it's great. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, it's the and, Ira Glass quote. Have you read the Ira Glass quote? That's right. Yep, yeah. Absolutely. And and you have to see it through. Mm-hmm. That's the burden of, I think, what, of what we do is, you know, and you, and, and you know when you're there and you know when you're not there. And it's going to drive you insane until you get to that place. Mm-hmm. But once you're there, you're there. And so for me, getting to the end of this record was such a relief because I thought, it's finally done. I've, I've, I've taken this as far as it's going to go. Yeah. I know that. And, um, and lesson, lesson learned. Growth occurred. Let's move forward. So, you know, 
how do you make a career out of that, right? <laughs> yeah, that's a huge part of artistic. What you just said is a huge part of an artistic maturity is knowing when it's done. Yeah. Because, yeah. you know, ostensibly we can take a song a million different ways. And, and then if you want to break it down even more, like it's like an atom, you break it down even more like, you know, this melody could go a different way and, you know, a million different ways in the verse here and then a million different ways. Like the chorus could do this, you know, it could shift a million. Different, but knowing to like, no, that's that's what it's got to well, be. Boom, let's move on. Yeah. And then for me on this record, and I think for most of my records, but especially this record, um, it was done with me, mm. uh, you know. Uh, these songs, wow. these songs wrote me. Is how I feel. never been more confused in a creative process ever about my own songs mm -hmm. than this project I was so relieved when it was over because it, it finally put me down I just I uh, I was ready for a break from it or a rest from it or, mm -hmm. yeah, so what do you how quick because I know the especially the independent artists but any artist sort of has a bunch of things in the hopper if you will like a lot yeah, of things on yeah, on the on yeah. the on the the future horizon you know I every time I start a record I at least have the next two sort of kind of cool things that yeah. I want to do with something like that there's just so it just takes over everything yeah. and exhausts you right how quick do you are you to sort of start thinking about the next yeah. thing you know is that is that a thing that sounds terrible because no you, sir or is it something that excites oh, you it excites me yeah i mean i so let's see uh probably in march i came up with this thought that or i had this thought that you know what i really want to do next um because for a while i thought this is it i'm i don't want to do anything else and you know i'll go to back to school or go to seminary or yeah um uh, there's so many things that I am interested in, but music's the thing that I feel I do the best mm -hmm. if I'm really honest with myself. And that's the other problem. If you know, if it's going to be great, you have to be honest with yourself. And if you're going to be honest with yourself, it means you have to tell yourself the truth. If you're going to tell yourself the truth, that means you have to face yourself. And who wants to face himself? Nobody. It's the worst. Nobody. I mean, we we're spend, surrounded by distractions. We well, we purpose. don't want to face ourselves. Uh, I don't know anyone who really does. And we do, we will spend money and time and effort and energy avoiding ourselves at all costs. And yet, you know, as artists, I feel what I'm called to do with, from my art is to turn around and face myself. And like, golly, that's just the most What's interesting about that thing. is I love it when other people face themselves. Because right. my, my favorite yeah. records are the ones where right. the dude is clearly like, yeah. oh man, that guy's going through something. Right. Like that's what I, like, I think that's why I responded to your record. Like I want to be, I, I want to see other people do that maybe mm -hmm. so i can live vicariously through it but also i think i want to 
I've said this on the podcast before, but I am sort of um, addicted to precedent. Hmm. So if I see somebody else go and be brave, it makes me want to go be brave. Like yeah. I wanted to play oh, football yeah. after I saw Rudy. Like totally. I want to be like, oh, I can do, you know, I want to believe that I am, I, totally I can achieve you. greater things. Yeah. Oh, yeah. So it's, <laughs> it's like that spend... Tom Petty documentary. Like, yes. Like you watch that and you're like, I want to join a band. The like four hour one. And be Tom Petty. Yeah. Right. I want to. Well, we all want to be Tom Petty. Right. You know, and what that means for me is, I don't literally mean I'm going to copy his song, but like no. you, you, you want to, there's an expression of, of genuineness there. And you're like, I have that in me. Mm-hmm. Where is that? I want to find that and yes. pull that out of me. And just um, purely from responding to Tom yeah, Petty, yeah. you have it in you. Yeah. Yeah. Like chase it. And it's going to be hard and you're not going to hit it for a long time. Right. But like, you know, I knew that even when I started playing music in high school, you know, the stuff I was responding to was like, Oh, and I kind of figured out from reading articles and books and stuff from musicians, like, oh, I'm not, I'm not going to be, you know, whoever it is tomorrow. I'm not going to be Ben Folds tomorrow. Right. But, like, he's got 10 years on me. So maybe in 10 years I could be closer to being, you know, the Ben Folds that I'm reading in this article sure. or whoever it yeah. is. And yeah. you sort of, and you're like, well, I'm willing to put in the time to do that. And, you know. Exactly. And that's it. It's like put in the time to grow. Um and to realize that you do grow and you change. It reminds me of something that um, Charlie Peacock told me one time. Um, I was just telling him I felt so lost and mm-hmm. what I'm doing and asking his advice for in thoughts on things. And he listened to me for a while and he said, you know, he asked me if I like jazz. And I said, sure, you know, and I, I don't, I love certain jazz records and sure. aficionado, but I love John Coltrane. I think mm-hmm. he's incredible. Um, I totally get him. Um, and he's asked me, you know, do you have any Miles Davis records? And I said, well, I have, I have kind of blue, right? Like everybody yeah, should. Of course, have that. everybody does. Yeah. I bought that record and and I have it. And uh, he said, well, that's fine. He said, but the, really, are you a fan of Miles Davis? And I was like, I can't really say that I'm a, I'm a fan. I don't really know much about his music. He said, well, the right question is to ask is is which Miles are you a fan of? Because over the course of Miles Davis' career, he he changed and grew so many times that he was constantly adjusting to the season he was in and mm-hmm. changing and he's just saying like you have the permission to realize like that you know you grow you change and mm-hmm. there's work involved and that's yeah so what so him saying to listen to miles davis well to realize that miles davis in the court look at his career look at his look at his work and realize that you this is an unfolding story right and this you know and and there's a lot of freedom there it's a lot of hard work involved but there's a lot of freedom there and time there and um and that's a freeing idea you know and that's why i love that's why i love reading biographies it's like you study these people oh, yeah. and, and, fa- and infatuated with or, or fascinated by mm-hmm. and you realize what you love about them unfolded over an entire lifetime and and you know give yourself the grace to let your life unfold. That's one of the things I love about uh, one of those Austin Kleon books. He says like, there's a couple things that I'm like a a little bit ashamed of because I'm in this industry, but I'm still like a fanboy out about stuff. And uh, I don't know what it is about like, like, dude, you're in it now. You can't be a fan anymore. Especially as an adult man, you're sort of like, I feel ridiculous having posters on my wall and, and, you know, trying to, but it, it literally said like, I was feeling that the day that I read that book and it says like, surround yourself with the things that you know like put the people that you that inspire you on your wall so they're like sort of looking down on you as you write all this sort of stuff and i was just but what he said was like if if you're into somebody if some you respond to somebody naturally you know artist wise 
you know, whatever it is, like listen to everything they've done, watch every interview they've done, read every yeah. biography you can, learning everything you can about them, you know, it, it is a, is a really healthy thing to do. Like that's like chase that. Don't don't yeah. be like, oh, you know, I've, I've read the the third or you know, this is the fifteenth YouTube interview I've seen with Bono. Like how many things? Yeah. You know, but like no, keep going because right. you do like learn. You know, I've read so many books and and you know, seen interviews and and listen to podcasts of stuff that I'm just and I can't get. You know, there's certain subjects I just can't get enough of. I'm still mm-hmm. learning and gleaning information and you know because I'm I'm I started playing music and I started expressing you know myself through art because I was a fan of things right and a fan of and of of artists that did that really well right you know that's what i love about living in nashville uh the time i've lived here one of the things i've realized i've 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 learned and and, and being able to see uh is the life of an artist because i didn't grow up uh with artists my my dad's a doctor and my mom's a physical therapist and all my brothers Where'd have you come from? normal jobs, you know. <laughs> um, I have a brother who's about to go to med school. I got a brother who's an attorney and a brother who does commercial real estate. And wow, a brother who's who's a uh, are they artistic at all? Contractor, uh, just in life at all? Sure, in different ways, mm-hmm. but but they're not necessarily musical in the sense that uh, one of my brothers is. But but um, what do they think about you and all of this? <laughs> I don't know, man. I mean, I think they dig it. <laughs> You know? Okay, but it's just such a foreign concept. What I'm trying to say, yeah. and when I moved here uh, for college, and and uh, you know, without even realizing it, I was seeking out uh, older men, you know, mm-hmm. guys that I re- admired, um, to try to understand. Okay, I get what you're doing, but like, what's your life like around that? What 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 is this coming out of? And one of the guys that I've been really fortunate to get to know and 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 kind of know his life. He's let me in his life is Phil Keggy. And I've seen, here's this man who, you know, for me, musically, early on, was uh, a really big influence. And But then to get to know him as a person and to see his family and his life. And yeah. that gave me a, a, a kind of a, I don't want to say a template, but a picture of how to how to live this life that we live, which is an odd life, you know. Mm-hmm. And, um, but, you know, uh, that's a that's a big deal to, to know how to apply... Um, what we're doing um, to uh, the larger picture of life and, and have a life in the midst of that. Cause I think what we do as artists comes out of our lives. And yeah. If you're not, if you're not nurturing your life, then you, you know, it's going to show up in what you're doing. Mm-hmm. And I think for me, it goes back to what I was saying earlier, which is like, when you know, something's true, then you know that it's right. If it's not true, then you know, something needs to be addressed to, to kind of get to, the truth of where you need to be and um if you're not tending to your life in a true way i think that's really good you're just everything's gonna suffer you know you've been talking in your sleep you've been living in a dream the fight or flight and all you know is nothing's what it seems you've been bound upon all sides Collected for the cause You faded out the light The truth, it's there Then it's gone But love Love has the patience To hear you out tonight 
I, I mean, maybe not especially. I've never been. I never had a, like an official manager or anybody to take over the the responsibilities of the day to day. So it's always been me. I can absolutely see just becoming like a hermit and this becoming everything. And essentially, I'm just going to be the guy who writes songs about writing songs. And you know, it's it's like you know, I'm a big fan of stand up comedy and a lot of like stand-ups say like you can kind of see the guy that's been on the road for a long time because all his bits are about airline food and <laughs> and and hotels like they're okay. not about like when, when they start writing stand-up bits about stand-up clubs like it's like okay you know and then there's this whole idea i can't wow. remember i think it was bernie mack who said like he still takes the bus because like you know even when he was famous he would still take the bus because he wanted to live a life worth commenting on he was, he was huh. like he's like never trust an artist who won't still take the bus because yeah. they're still clearly like you know, it gets so easy to be in your own little bubble, especially the more like success you get and sure. comfortable and you're, you know, you're making money, your house is nicer. Like it's, why would you want to leave that? Why would you actually want to go out and get your hands dirty by living life when right. it's so easy to pad yourself with comforts? And I totally feel the, you know, in a lot of ways, I am grateful that I'm still sort of having to be this like hungry artist and go out and get, I still have so many things that I want to do and achieve. Yeah. And I didn't, you know, wasn't sort of like handed it really early on. So I could sort of, because now I see the 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 benefit and the blessing in, in being hungry and wanting to, you know, go out and like actually get my hands dirty and, and like hang out with people and, and talk to people who don't have the same point of view as me and yeah. all that stuff. You know, I go on the road and I'm still dealing, you know, nothing's handed to me. I still have to work for it. And, and I feel the benefit of that. Don't tell my mom I said that because she told me early. <laughs> like, no, you're going to get character when you go out there and you actually sweat a little bit. I'm like, I don't want to. Right. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, I think character, you can either run from it or embrace it, but it's coming for you. Yeah. Wow. That's the quote of the episode. I That's think it's so true. Right? true. Yeah. You know, you can either, you can either fight, I think, with your music. This is what I learned. Like, I think, like, one of the things Wendell Berry said one time, I was like, wow. He said he was thankful to his work. They were giving him some award. That was part of his acceptance speech. I'm thankful to my work. No. And there's just this disciplined understanding that what we're doing is, is not really ours. It's even the work that we're doing is shaping us as people. And you mm -hmm. can run from that, but it's coming for you. And you might as well embrace it and be great as a result. Or you can fight yourself and just be really frustrated. Yeah. But, but you're gonna, it's coming for you regardless. Yeah, I really, I really think that, you know. That's so true. <laughs> Thankful for your work. Yeah, Wendell Berry. That dude, that's a giant. You know, that guy writes in a shack on the back of his property. He has like a wooden... There's no power run out to it. And he, really? He does all of his writing in longhand on yellow notebook paper. Wow. I don't think he owns a computer. I think he sends it to like an editor. I'm not advocating for that. I'm just no, saying. That's interesting though. He's, he, it speaks to, it shows up. informs the way that he writes that you can tell. Yeah, and he lets what he does inform who he is. Is that why Eric Peters just built a shack in the back of his house? I, I don't know. Maybe. <laughs> I'm, now I'm like, oh, wait a second. Because right. he, he literally just built like a little shed that he writes oh, really? in and paints in now. Uh, I don't know if it has, I think it has electricity, but mm. I think it has Wi-Fi. Mm -hmm. So, sorry, Eric. <laughs> <laughs> sorry, under the bus. Have you had to figure out how to play these songs by yourself? Yeah. Because they're so like, just, they, a lot of them are just like walls of just like yeah, I know. production right. and great. Yeah. It's amazing. I mean, it, it, it really is. But when I was thinking, I was, you know, it's the same thing anytime I, I've seen you play acoustic and stuff, you know, yeah. and I was like, I wonder how, how is it going to pull it off? Because I do that with myself. Like, yeah. when I'm recording, I'm like, this is great. And even Andy, who produces some of my stuff, is just like, I don't know how you're going to pull this off acoustic. And I'm like, right. I don't know either. Yeah. Um, great question. And that's what my next record I want to make 
bare bones mm-hmm. um, acoustic vocal, piano vocal, um, and then maybe do really small orchestral strings arrangement just arranging but but this record yeah um i i, I travel i have a um a high string guitar mm-hmm. and uh i've got this little small body acoustic i've been using to play a little bit of piano um i think that the that live and the record are two different things i think that's a good thing um it took me a long time to realize that the day yeah. can be two different things yeah and that's what makes the live experience special yeah is because it because i would fight for ever to try to make it sound as close to the record as possible yeah. and just you can't you only have two hands yeah and i think for me too like i set out to make um a project that sounded a certain way and had a invoked a certain feeling and um it's challenging to tour when you're an independent artist and you make a record that has a bigger sound yeah um but i also was trying to be true to what i was hearing in my head and and really what the songs are asking for um and i also feel like kind of part of my job is to uh to allow things to be like in the sense of uh you know for me like some of the sonics of the record are 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 really visual and so you know there's colors and textures and 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 tones and things you want to use that and they're there for you to use so use them and, and and move a listener and then when you go play these songs live uh, it, I think it's your heart and your voice that's going to move a listener. And um, and so, you know, that's the challenge is to, to get down to the, to the marrow of the songs in a live format where mm-hmm. you got the guitar, the vocal, the piano, and, and you're, you're presenting it really bare. And it really stands on a vocal and it stands on your heart, the, the vulnerability of that, and then also the story behind it. And so that's... Um, that's the challenge you know that's a good thing yeah you grow there too you know you grow yeah there oh too. absolutely you don't just grow on a record you you got to keep growing and, and, and go on the road and grow and that's you, you know that's coming for you as well mm. yeah. <laughs> this episode is just going to be called jeremy casella coming for you <laughs> basically i mean did you see what i mean though right like absolutely yeah. like what we do is it's a we work really hard but it's also what we do changes us and shapes us and you can either fight against it or you can you can work alongside it. Yeah. I mean, it, it, I think about that from time to time as, you know, I've had people, been blessed enough to have people come up and say that they are, like, moved or changed by songs I've written. And, I'm, yeah. and I can say me too because yeah. I have too. And it really is like you're birthing this thing. I say this on stage, but when I write these songs, when I'm singing them back, it's as much of a reminder to me. Of, of that I went through this thing or a lot of times I'll write stuff that I need to hear because I know I'm going to play it hundreds of times in the next right. couple of years. Right. So it, it is this whole, like we are experiencing this together. I think a lot of people sort of forget that as an audience. They're like, no, that guy's being moved by his stuff too. Yeah. You know, okay. That reminds me a couple of weeks ago, I played in Pittsburgh. I played this house show, man. And um, I was playing out of this song, this new song on my record called uh, Letter from an Old Friend. And mm-hmm. I, it's the first time I played it live with just acoustic guitar. And uh, I rehearsed it a number of times and, and worked it out, and then I performed it and played it. But even in the performance and the, and, and the playing of it for the first time for folks, um, there was it surprised me, took me to a different place. And I think there's just this element of experience that happens that you when you're playing live and singing that... Uh, moments happen and they just happen they just they're just there kinetic little 
special moments where you you get this sixth sense you know as you're singing and a lot of times when i'm singing i'm closing my eyes because i'm trying to connect with what i'm what i'm what i'm sharing mm-hmm. um which is a challenge in and of itself right rather than just be on autopilot and execute yep. to really muscle pour, memory yeah to really pour out of yourself and that's where you want to be that's where i want to try to be um in a in a, in a live way and also on the record but especially in a live mm-hmm. way and, and uh, when those moments happen i find myself surprised and it surprises me too and so there's that arc of like a concert where you take a you take yourself and others on a ride with you but also the idea that the music is kind of kind of carrying us all this place and there are, there are surprises around the turns you know and mm-hmm. um it's wild you know so there's like that line of like it's kind of like our careers probably you, you can plan certain things you definitely need to have a structure be disciplined show up every day and who knows what's going to happen yeah um and that's okay and, and that's what makes it exciting though is like you plan i do that when i'm on the road like i'll plan okay i just have to get to the show by seven o'clock and then whatever happens in between, I'm sort of open. Like from the morning I wake up until the the, the, the when I get there, some sort of sometimes I'll take different highways, or sometimes I'll literally, you know, like I'll I'll stay, you know, an hour too long in an old bookstore or something. Like, whatever's gonna like the day is gonna. You have to sort of leave yourself open to possibility. Yeah. You know, or I heard kind of takes the fun out of it. Right. I heard um you know Glenn Hansard. Yeah. From the Swell Season, mm-hmm. I heard him say about Tom York. It's always stuck with me. He said Tom York is digging for gold with his fingernails, you know, and you get this idea that like he's just he's he's at the forefront, he's the front lines of himself, going for what's true and what is real, mm-hmm. and he's not going to stop until he gets it. You get this sense he's just so hungry for that, you know, and and that's intense. That's an intense image. That is. But I think that like there's a lot of truth to that, and what we're after is is what's real and whether you're doing that on a record or you're doing that live for people, but they're showing up, they're showing up to be entertained. Um, and that's great. But, but they're also showing up to be moved, um, to, to connect with what is true. Absolutely. And on some level, whether we realize it or not, I think that's, that's what motivates us to do a lot of what we do. Yeah. Um, as people is, is we're, we're trying to connect with something that's, that's not going to go away and, and to be reminded that, that there's more than just the mundane in and out of, of life that even in the mundane um the mundaneness isn't mundane that there's a larger reality mm-hmm, that's mm-hmm. holding all of us and like those moments that that's what i was talking about like the, these surprise little moments live um that maybe this happens because people are in a room together you know and you're pushing and pulling like an audience energy pushes and pulls. Yeah, yeah absolutely that I felt intangible it, thing that is amazing to me I've definitely been there when, I mean, I'm sure you have too, when everybody is just on board, like the whole room. And that's why I love house shows because it's more conducive to everybody being focused. Mm -hmm. Uh, And everybody just wants, everybody there wants the show to be the best Mm -hmm. thing they've ever seen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) And you're there and they're just locked into you. Like I've had songs that I, people have requested that I haven't played in a long time. They're like, well, this is going to go bad. And I nailed it because I knew everybody wanted me to do well. Right. And that, that not, not even pressure, but just sort of, you know, that helped me sort of rise to they be the best you. that I could. Absolutely. Yeah. And I have had the opposite too, where yeah. I was like, this, nobody, everybody's checked out. Yeah. What's, there's no point in this. Yeah. That reminds me of this one time. I had this really, really cool memory. Um, a number of years ago, I was playing in Indiana and uh, I played at this church and uh, I was on a Sunday morning. And right before the service started, they, uh, one of the staff members told me that, uh, that the church was uh, really going through a hard time because one of the, um, 
families that go to the church, their daughter had just been killed in a car accident, mm. and it's just the whole community was in mourning, and it really, I was glad he told me, you know, um, yeah, which is why he told me probably, uh, just hey, here's here's what the timbre of these folks is this morning, just so you're aware, and and I just I kind of paused and I uh, took it in and then went into went up there to share the song I was there to share, and um, and I sang the song with the spirit of trying to sing it over their grief, you know, as a gift of some kind of just small gift, but just, yeah. to, and, uh, or to, 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 to acknowledge the pain of the, and, um, it was this hymn, uh, the indelible grace hymn, um, God me without great Jehovah. Yeah. Which, uh, I wrote the music for and, and, but it's an indelible grace hymn. And by the end of it, I was singing it with my eyes closed. By the end of it, I opened up and the whole, the whole, church was standing up they had stood up mm. for this girl who had died and this family it was such a powerful and i didn't say anything about it yeah uh i just played the song but uh, it gave them a place to hang their grief yeah what a moment that was right you know it nothing to do with me it's no. just here we all are together it was bigger than all of you right yeah and that i mean i've never forgotten that you know and um i think that's power of, of being reminded that we're that we're not alone and that we're together and that's, that's what music is it's absolutely a huge gift that way you know guide me oh thou great jehovah pilgrim through this barren land i am weak but thou art mighty hold me with thy powerful Well, we we end every podcast with uh, the, the guest oh sharing a uh, a bad and or embarrassing or <laughs> some sort of a, gone a show gone awry story, um, just to make us all feel better about having yeah. bad shows. Do you have anything that's sort of in your back pocket experience any at any point in your career where something just went horribly wrong, be it your fault or the venue's fault or something? Where it's like, well, that was the worst experience. <laughs> oh man! Well, I played early on. I play a show in Pennsylvania where I grew up, and um, I was really excited about life and trying to get everybody to take me really seriously. <laughs> and so, I showed up for this concert, and I had asked for a you know, PA system, mm -hmm. the whole deal, and uh, just a basic PA. And I showed up, and they had had they um, had a Fender amp with a microphone on a stand plugged into the fender amp and he was like you know here's your pa oh no yeah and I, and I was like well that's that's not gonna work and the guy was like well this is what you asked for and i was like no it isn't <laughs> i was trying really hard to, to not like you know freak out but i was early on in my career and i felt like oh gosh this isn't gonna yeah work no one's taking me seriously i'm not taking myself seriously how right. could they think this is you know, that's not, I guess, like a murder or horror story, but um, I've had some pretty interesting... Well, PA can completely change. People don't understand. Like, that can can change the entire shape of a show. I just did the show acoustic. 
you know? Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. I mean, I've had people like spontaneously stand up and dance around in shows. That's a little distracting. A you little. Know what I mean? Yeah. Um, but yeah, you're kind of like, what, what is that? Am I, is this happening right now? And yeah. do I say anything? Because yeah. that's almost as distracting as when people want to be involved. So badly they start clapping along to songs that aren't necessarily conducive to clapping like and, and then they're getting it on like you know it's it's not on the right beat um and it's messing you like i've yeah. had songs derailed i was like do you want me to do well like what are you doing did somebody send you to sabotage me yeah because they're just clapping but they don't they just want so badly to like they're trying to help right i found that more often than not like audiences that try to help and it's like okay i got Dude, this i can't tell you on this podcast but i can tell you the thirty thousand foot view of this one story that I stayed at a house after a show. Mm-hmm. This, this place put me up, and they were really nice. And come on, stay at our house. And I was there, and the husband and wife got into an enormous argument while I was there. Oh no! And it was so awkward. Oh, and I no. told myself hotels for the rest of my yes. life. Yeah. I will sleep in my car. I mm-hmm. I don't want to be in that situation again. You know? Yeah. So I think we all have stories like that, but pretty amazing. <laughs> Well, dude, thanks so much for coming hey, on the, for the podcast. And, it. uh, it's great to be here. It was great to be here, wasn't it? It was. That'll do it for this episode. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, if you'd like to check out more of Jeremy Casella's music, you can do so at jeremycasella.com as well as tour dates, etc. Follow him on Twitter at Jeremy Casella uh, and grab his album Death in Reverse. I promise you, I promise you, it's worth it. Uh, you will not be disappointed. Thank you so much for listening once again uh, for episode 60 and who writes this stuff. My name is Nick Flora. Go do something creative. Mm-hmm.